Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A small bonus. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of this season's Real Football Cast. As always, I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 60 minutes we'll be dissecting all the hot topics in football. Well I say we, it's just me this week, so as per usual... I'll be discussing what's been going on in the Premier League over the past few days. While in addition to that, there are also some opposite activities that have caught my eye and they'll be getting our attention, or my attention should I say, in about an hour or so. It's been another incredible week of football and as you now know, it's one up top. That means leading the line is me, I'm wearing the captain's armband and I've been fine since I last spoke. Hello again. So you're thinking, hang on, I heard your voice on Tuesday. You did, but you also heard my voice alone on Tuesday. Again, you're going to hear my voice alone, but I thought the fact you've only had 15 minutes out of your usual 60 minutes of piping hot football content, I've done your shorts. I feel sorry. The shareholders are unhappy, rightly so. How can I make this right? What about another bonus episode? It won't be 60 minutes. It might not be half an hour. It might not even be 15 minutes. But I thought, do you know what? I've got a bit of spare time the following day. Let's have a bit more content. Let's keep you shareholders happy and let's chat a bit more football. I say chat's going to be a one-way conversation, but I'm just going to give you my views and news across the, the world that's happened in the past day or so since I last recorded. So let's go. Where should we go first? Let's go to Vicarage Road because Roy Hodgson has got his CBE from the Queen today. However, he's not going to be Watford manager come the start of next season. Not the biggest surprise when you consider Watford's plight. They're going to be relegated. I mean, if it's not this week, it's going to be eventually. They will get relegated this season. And Roy has said, you know what? That's enough for me. I'm too old for this game anyway. Whether he's ruined his legacy somewhat by coming back to Watford in this period of the season, it could be argued. Only he'll know that. However, I think time has finally got the better of our Roy and it's no great surprise he's going to stand down. The big question is though, who's going to be the next Watford boss? I mean, who knows? It could be me. Yes, don't be surprised if I'm somehow on the technical staff of Watford next season. I mean, stranger things have happened in football. It might not be the strangest, but I think, you know, the way Watford burn through managers, 
it could be anyone. It literally could be anyone who's their next boss. And I feel that maybe this is the wake-up call for them to say, do you know what, maybe we should change our, our MO and think, long-termism, is that a bad thing? It certainly seems to be a bad thing at Vicarage Road over the last few years, but I don't know. You know, it's their decision. It just makes great content for us because we can pick through another Watford sacking in probably, I don't know, October. Place your bets now. I'm sure there'll be one around the corner. But around the corner is relegation for three teams in the Premier League this season. And, of course, one of those could be Burnley. Now, that's not the biggest surprise. What is the biggest surprise is that they are due to pay a £65 million loan to their owners if they go down. Now, we've kind of referenced Burnley's takeover in minute detail. Not minute, but it's kind of been not enough detail for the potential issue that they find themselves in. And what I mean by that is that Manchester United were leveraged by up by the Glazers years ago. You have to forgive me for the exact year, but you know the one I'm talking about and all the hoo-ha that came with it, the green and gold scarves, the protests, so on and so forth. With Burnley, though, there is a feeling that this has gone under the radar somewhat in the sense that, like Manchester United, if something happens in this same kind of remit of a leverage buyout, there's uproar, there's protest, it's a football institution, this can't be happening. Whereas Burnley, it's kind of not happened through the back door, but it's kind of just taken place. And now we're only seeing the real ramifications if the Premier League status is removed come the end of the season. Now, of course, these leverage buyouts are always a little bit messy. And I don't think any supporter of Burnley quite knew what was going to unfold as has broken the last, what, hours or so. The fact is, as things stand, as I say, it's a £65 million loan that needs to be paid back to ALK Capital. And you just think to yourself, where's the logic in this buyout in the first place? If only because it doesn't seem like they've put much money in. Now, again, the Burnley owners could be justified in their decision to sack Sean Dyche for the simple reason that if they stay up and as things stand, they look the likelier, then obviously it's a case of we knew what we were doing, we rolled the dice, we gambled... So be it. Now, this loan will have to get paid back eventually. I think it's 2025. You know, there is, there's no such thing as free money here. It's just that the rate of payment becomes a lot quicker if they drop into the championship. So the scenario at Turf Moor has got even more tense than it has already. But, as I say, if they do stay up, the ends will justify the means. And perhaps if they do stay up, those same owners will then think to themselves, actually, now we've got another season of TV revenue and guaranteed... 19 home fixtures and all the revenue that comes from that, now's the time to not just scrimp and save and start putting money back into the club in the way of transfer fees. It's easier said than done. I'm not a club chairman. I couldn't dream of that. I haven't got the money. I haven't got the desire to do so. But at the same time, you know, this is Premier League football. You have to take these gambles. And at the moment, it's working for the Clarets. Now, it wasn't quite a gamble at El Madrigal on Tuesday nights, but a risk all the same. Liverpool... I wouldn't say they did it the hard way in terms of 180 minutes, but they certainly did it the hard way in 90 minutes, going 2-0 down against Villarreal on Tuesday nights. The tie was then in the balance, and at that point you thought, hang on, are we up for more Champions League semi-final drama? As we now know, that wasn't the case, but what we don't know yet, that being Wednesday afternoon, is who Liverpool are going to face in the Champions League final. I'm not going to make a prediction because it's going to be out of date straight away, but what I will say is the quadruple is still very much on for the Reds, and right now, I don't think you would put it past them. Yes, it was going to be a massive effort and a huge 
success if they do so. You know, nothing's ever been done in England before. I know Barcelona and the like have won multiple trophies with all the Super Cups and the World Club Cup in a year. They've done the lots under Pep, but no one's ever done the best four, the biggest four in England, and Liverpool are in touching distance. Now, whether they can do so, there's no reason why they can't. I mean, obviously, they're second in the Premier League going into the weekend, but they're in the FA Cup final. They've already won the Carabao Cup final. They're now in the Champions League final. Everything's on the table. You know, why not? Every time you sort of think to yourself that Liverpool might stutter, they don't. Every time you think the interchangeable cast aren't going to be up to scratch, they are up to scratch. They just keep answering every question which is asked of them. The only sort of real failure, and that's in inverted commas, is the fact that they drew with Manchester City at the Etihad, what, a month or so ago. You know, that two-all draw, is that going to be the difference? We've spoken before on the show about whether the two juggernauts at the top of the Premier League will drop points. And although you can see the top two go all the way and get a perfect haul, I think neutrals would love to see just one more twist, whether that is because of Man City dropping points or Liverpool. Who knows? Liverpool top them. That's me being a Spurs fan and being over-optimistic, but you don't know. As neutrals, we kind of, I don't know if deserve is the word, but after two seasons of COVID-affected football, it'd be great to just really get your teeth into a, a proper title race with a bit of drama, going all the way to the final day. Who knows? I digress. But all I do know is that Liverpool are in the Champions League final, rightly so. As I say, they didn't make it too easy for themselves against the Premier League rejects all-stars. You know, the likes of Francis Coquelin and Etienne Gapoue tearing Liverpool apart in the first half was quite a bizarre sight, but I guess that's also the alchemy that Unai Emery does at the El Madrigal. So credit to VRL for getting that far in the tournament. I know a lot of people, actually I say a lot of people, Jason Cundy has been critical of them, what, just a week or so ago with the way they played at Anfield, but that's their right, and I think Jason Cundy is an idiot. You can quote me on that. I'm happy to uh, to take that one. But it's just, yeah, I think VRL credits themselves don't forget they knocked out both Juventus and Bayern Munich to get to the semi-final. Let's say, you know, if they get the third goal on Tuesday night, it's a completely different tie, isn't it? But it's not. History is in Liverpool's favour and now they'll hope to make further history in Paris on May the 28th. Right, where should we go now? More celebrations. Bournemouth versus Nottingham Forest. Bournemouth back in the Premier League. I don't know if they are a yo-yo club yet. Probably not, actually, because they did have a very decent stint in their first promotion. This is the second promotion at the second time of asking since their relegation. I hope you're keeping up there. But they're back in the Premier League. Credit to Scott Parker. I guess also credit to Nottingham Forest for pushing Bournemouth all the way because Stevie Cooper took over and Forest were in the doldrums. They were looking down to League One rather than looking up to the Premier League. So huge credit to those. And I think, you know, in terms of the playoffs, now it's a case of not being too disappointed at not getting over the line in the automatic race. We've seen this so many times where the teams that finish third then don't do the business at Wembley, which, you know, some will say it's unfair, but that is the beauty of the playoffs. You can say the same for League One and League Two. Fascinating ends to those seasons as well. League Two is going to go all the way to the wire on Saturday with Forest Green and Exeter. Exeter top at the moment, but, you know, stranger things have happened on the final day. And the League One playoffs, you've got... Wickham versus MK Dons at the weekend. You've also got Sheffield Wednesday going to Sunderland. They're going to be two massive clashes. It's just the busiest end of the season, the best end of the season. And also that means that transfer gossip is not too far around the corner. And it started already, really, because you've got Romelu Lukaku saying he has no interest in signing for AC Milan. So a return to the San Siro looks a bit unlikely. I can't see him going back to Inter anyway. Dare I say, he might want to just stay at Chelsea and try and get through what has been an awful first season of his second stint because let's be honest he's not been 
value for money. The flop of the season, you could argue. But also, he's saying no to Newcastle. Not a massive surprise, but I guess with Newcastle looking to go furtherly up the table next season, is this going to be a potential marquee signing? Well, in the head, maybe. But again, it could just be lazy transfer gossip. That's why we're talking gossip now. But I just feel that that's probably too big a step too early for Newcastle. And I think, if anything, Lukaku has to worry about Chelsea as a going concern because the Vultures are circling around Stamford Bridge. And I think it's going to be a bit of a stretch or perhaps remiss to say, will Chelsea even be a functioning football club? They will. They're still going to probably be in the top four as well come into the season by a huge collapse. So Champions League football is still the carrot for Lukaku and a lot of people still there. But as I say, you know, everyone's up for grabs to a certain degree. And who knows, you know, those players are out of contract as well, going to leave and not be able to sign any new paperwork. And the Blues could be a fading force. Also, something of a fading force, Barcelona. Yes, they've been rejuvenated under Xavi, but they are prepared to listen to big money offers for Frankie de Jong. Because Man United, I guess this is where it starts to get a little lazy with the links, because Eric Ten Hag obviously going to be the new Man United manager. So it's kind of a case of every man who he works with at Ajax during that sort of 2018-2019 cycle is going to be kind of linked. I guess, you know, Frankie de Jong is a perfect example. Donny van der Beek will probably be welcomed back with open arms. Matthias de Ligt, you know, who knows, they might do some lazy linking there. It happens, it's the summer, everyone gets bored, but we're kind of seeing it already. The Ajax old boys, maybe Ten Hag is getting the band back together. As I say, Ten Hag has identified as many as eight players. I mean, where do you start with Manchester United? You could almost identify a new team, but I think he's actually looked at the team, and that's why eight is the magic number. We're looking at players like, well... Harry Maguire needs help, there's no doubt about that. A left-sided centre-back to go with him. And there's also the big question mark over Marcus Rashford. Now, I know Carl put him on the Newcastle shopping list, which is getting longer and longer by the week. But I guess if you're using the same Lukaku logic, Rashford is probably, again, you know, would he want to move down the totem pole? Well, I guess he's going to have to at some point in his Premier League career if his future isn't at Old Trafford. So then you're thinking, is Newcastle too big of a drop? Not if Newcastle are a top 10 team at the end of the season and with this upward mobility that they are promising. The same could also be said for James Ward-Prowse. Now, I don't think Newcastle is a move, but Manchester United are eyeing him up. But they are not the only ones and Tottenham are also reported to be interested in James Ward-Prowse. And I guess the Southampton midfielder has a bit of a decision to make across the course of the summer because if Southampton finish, what, I don't know, 15th, for example, is that an attractive enough proposition for the Saints to keep Ward-Prowse next season? Perhaps not. With Ward-Prowse looking to break into the England squad as a regular 11 mainstay, yes, he's got squad call-ups, but, you know, an actual bona fide starter, which is difficult if you're not a big six player because Gareth Southgate has his kind of favourites from the biggest clubs. Not impossible, but more difficult. Ward-Prowse might just think, do you know what? My stock is, a well, hotter than it has been, you know. I'm now known as a real free-kick taker. I've got that weapon in my arsenal. It might just be the time for him and Southampton to sort of cash in and think, right, this is the time. We'll use that money, regenerate the squad. He'll be a big loss, obviously. But I guess the Southampton wheel of transfers always continues. They've been plucked off so many times. And I guess this is also part of their problem that every time they're just about knocking on the door to break through the glass ceiling, they then get cherry-picked and they drop down a kind of bracket in the, in the Premier League table. So they're kind of dropping down a bracket at the moment. Maybe they need to sell to improve as sort of bizarre as it sounds, sometimes you do need to take a step backwards to go forward. 
Now, Newcastle, they don't want to go backwards because they are linked with Darwin Nunes. Now, he's been lighting up League Noss this season. The Benfica striker has been linked with a litany of clubs, Manchester United, Liverpool. You do wonder if the latter two could offer him first-team football. He'd get in to the Newcastle team without a doubt. Sorry, Chris Wood, if listening. However, Newcastle do have a plan B and a plan C. The plan B is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I guess that depends on whether Everton go down or not, or whether Newcastle double his wages. But if it's the former, then it becomes a lot easier to sign Calvert-Lewin. And also, Patrick Schick. Now, Scottish fans will remember his name very well, because he's the one who scored that looping goal in Euro 2020 last summer. Remember, it was last summer, not the summer before. To be honest, I could just do a Newcastle gossip column. It's just names, a long list of names. It's getting a bit silly, but you can understand it's an easy target for the journos just to say, right... Newcastle, they've got some money, pick a player, make a rumour. It's that simple. So you're going to get a lot of this. So let's try and move on. Uh, Tottenham, they are interested in Mark Cucurella as well from Brighton. He, could he be the left-back answer that Antonio Conte is looking for? That's if he stays. I think he will, though. Um, Aston Villa, Philip Coutinho, they've got until the end of May to make his deal permanent. Again, I think they will. Where now, Arsenal are looking at a left-back, Aaron Hickey. Could be the answer. Now, Kieran Tierney, his compatriot, is injured. Hickey's 19. Now, he's doing wonders in Serie A. Now, one of the rare Scottish players to take a bold move to go abroad. That's been repaid in spades. But, again, why go to Arsenal was the then backup to Kieran Tierney? Especially, them both being Scottish, you'd think they both need to play first-team football. I don't think it's a wise move for Hickey in the sense of his national team prospects. While Fulham, they're celebrating their promotion and championship to the Premier League. They're interested in Joe Gomez. I don't know about that. I mean, Joe Gomez has been a handy understudy to Trent Alexander-Arnold when needed. Also, he can drift inside. He was linked with Real Madrid in January. I'm not sure if he would move to Fulham. Whether it could be some kind of loan deal, I don't know. But I think that's a bit too bold. You know, you've got Fabio Cavallio going the other way, potentially. There might be scope to engineer a deal, but again, I think that's wishful thinking. Sorry, Matthew, if you're listening. While Arsenal, back to them. Eddie Nketiah, they're going to make one more attempt to tie him down to a new contract. He's 22, but the deal expires in June, and he's attracting interest from England, France and Germany. And I think that's about it for me. I mean, you've got United always linked with Milinkovic Savage. I mean, that's been going on for years now. And Newcastle again... Just pick a player. Could be anyone. Carl knows. Gareth Bale. Who knows? Right, anyway, that's enough for this bonus episode. It's been a bit of everything, but as I said, Tuesday was a short episode, so I thought I'd try and beef up the content for this week. Give it at least half an hour, split over two episodes. Next week, we should be back in the full groove, whether it's one guest, two guests, three guests. If you're listening to this next season and you'd like to be a guest, get in touch with me, as I say, at either at DanTracy1983 on Twitter or at RealFootballPod. There's always seats open across the season. There's always plenty of weeks. The more guests I get, the more episodes I can do. So help me. I can help you. If you want the platform, I'm happy to share it with you. And I'm always happy to share our football chats. So that's it from me. Cheers, guys, and also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is The Real Football Cast. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
Social Podcast Network.